Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Morning and happy Tuesday to you. It's cold outside. Maybe it's cold outside as the song goes, uh, but uh, great to be here this morning. Uh, we've got Gil Onquist in the studio with us today, and uh, Gil is a county commissioner. Hey, Gil, how are you? It's been a great day. Uh, you know, i got to push the right button. Let's try again. It's good to be with That's you. That's much Thank better, you. yeah. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I, I had this microphone over here on, and okay. but you're over there, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, it happens sometimes. But uh, thank, thank you for coming. Glad uh, to be here. Did you bring a jacket? It's, you, you don't have a jacket. I don't. It's 25 I, out there, Gil. It's crisp and clear and a sunny day, so. <laughs> it is. Uh, you handed me a, a, an index card, and we're going to talk about this stuff as we get rolling today. Uh, there was a couple of other, a couple of news items I wanted to talk about too before we get going too far, Gil. If that's okay with you, absolutely. Uh, first one was uh, uh, this. Uh, did you hear about this story uh, up in Tooele where a uh, lady's husband was? A lady passed away, so they did a welfare check, found that the lady had passed away. While they were kind of going through her, her apartment and everything, they looked in the, in this big chest freezer and found her husband in there. Ten years. He'd Ten been years there. he had been in there, and uh, when I when I first told my and this when it broke like last week, I told my wife about it, and she goes, "Oh, she she he probably died, and she put him in there so she could keep collecting his social security check." And I thought, well, that's kind of cynical. I hope that's not the case, but it makes sense. And uh, today, some some they said that they found a note, a notarized note. Now I want to know what notary. Witnessed the signature on this note from the husband. Basically, he said, I'm dying of, of cancer, uh, and uh, my wife didn't kill me, and I'm voluntarily putting my own body or having my body put in this freezer so that she can collect a Social Security check. The whole thing is just so bizarre. You know, and I imagine those things happen uh, more regularly or at least more frequently than we know. Perhaps. Because so much fraud is out there in one form or another. And, yeah, uh, you know. and that's what it is. It's fraud. I mean, uh, you know, bless her heart. That's what my grandma used to say when mm-hmm. she was about to say something not nice about somebody. I'll oh, bless her heart. But bless her heart. She's she's gone now. She's passed away. But she was committing fraud for ten years by collecting her husband's social security check. Yeah, it's true. And anyway, it'd be an interesting legal issue, or what the Social Security Administration will do with that. Yeah, and there's definitely going to be some follow-up stories to that. Um, I, I mean, do they go after the estate and try to get that money paid back? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And the other weird story, so uh, this was, uh, it wasn't in Utah. I think it was in Seattle or something. But uh, this lady shoplifts a bunch of stuff from her Ross. So she's filling her purse full of whatever, you know, right. clothes or whatever. And I guess her boyfriend is waiting outside in a van. And she's going to grab the clothes, run out the door, jump in the van. They're going to get away. Uh, well, apparently he had it in... Uh, drive instead of reverse is parked right out in front of the store drove the van through the front window of the store oh, no. and obviously they got caught and they were injured and everything and uh, it, it i mean it, it's first of all it's kind of a funny story but uh, in 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 light of what happened at in and out burger just this weekend it's maybe not quite as funny because someone was killed when when someone drove into a building but the whole thing is uh, you know it's just a, a bizarre incident here in town and there in seattle you know, I've thought since that in construction, we have what's called a bollard, a, bollard? Okay. A, a large piece of steel in concrete, very 
strong. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that if you go to Dick's Sporting Goods, for example, there's sure. five or six of them right out in front of the store. Mm. And if a car gets away, it's going to hit one of those bollards and stop before it goes into yeah. the store. And, in fact, they're around gas meters. You'll see them in places where there's vehicles that could come close to a gas meter. They, by law, are required to have these bollards there to stop that. And I'm coming to think that there are places where perhaps a a drive-through or an entry or some sort of ingress-egress that would lead up to a storefront. If it wouldn't be safe to put more of these bollards around, they're not unattractive, but they would certainly help the, you know, the, the, the innocent... Oh, safety factor, yeah. So the shoplifting one became, uh, instead of a, instead of a getaway, it was a drive-in, drive-in, <laughs> drive-in yeah. shoplifting, drive-in Ross. Never heard yes. of a drive-in Ross before, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and I'm not for, you know, I, I, I'm kind of anti more regulations and forcing stores to sure. do this. It's got to be, I think, a voluntary thing. But man, when you look at what happened, I mean, someone was killed yesterday or the other day yeah. uh, when when they drove into a store, and, and something as simple as that. And I don't imagine it's super expensive either to put one of those they're in. They're not. They're not. Uh, that maybe maybe that's a good idea, huh? We'll see. So, okay, uh, let's. Uh, we we usually do kind of an open line thing the first few minutes of the show. Sure. We, we kind of change the format a little bit. So let's go to the phone line uh, right away, and then we'll get this this, this little list you gave me here okay. in, in a little while. Uh, yeah, Seth, you're on with Andy. I'm with Gil Almquist this morning. What's going on? Uh, I'd like you to ban me from the show because I'm gonna I'm gonna take the opposite view. I think that woman was a patriot by collecting that money. Because the real criminal is the government. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. They, they take a gun and force you to pay for something you may not want. Don't you and think they that- hold your money and they collect interest on it. And so maybe she's, because she and her husband spent, what, 7.5% for her whole life? Sure, sure, but he died, and there are better ways to go about uh, collecting things than, you know, hiding a body and, and fraudulently taking the money. Now, I'm think. not talking, I'm not talking, by the way, uh, Notary Public, you could put, I could go to a Notary Public right now and say, uh, I'm going to shoot Andy, or, you know, which is just fictitious, and do you know what the Notary Public notarizes? Just the signature, right? Just the signature. You can actually cover up the text. I, and all that notary needs to see is to identify you and identify you signed that. I used to be a notary years ago, and I don't remember any guidelines on, on whether I was supposed to report anything I read. So I, I think you're right there, Seth. But it seems like to me as just a, a citizen that if I, re, if I saw something pretty shady going on that I would, I would feel compelled to report it. I don't know. What do you think, Gil? Well, as soon as we stop obeying the laws of the land, whether you like them or not, it's it's a chaos. Now, I'm not follows. talking about murder, or I'm just talking about right now the signature. Hmm. Okay. Yep. So the notary's only job is to verify that they the, are who they say they were. Who they, they say, say they yep. are. And what document is, I've done it myself, I've covered up the document with another sheet of paper, and the notary, without any problem, 
verified it was me who signed that paper. Yeah, I, I guess that's legit because, again, the notary, all they're verifying, like you said, is the signature. Okay. All right. So, uh, by the way, uh, my job as a building inspector was to uh, certify as a special inspector bollards. So, uh, unlike an expert in bollards, I put them all around prisons and sally ports and, and commercial buildings and Walmarts and all that. And I've, I've spent a lot of time. Gil was, uh, was uh, building them, and I was inspecting them. That right. Yeah. So did uh, he pa- did he pass every time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he oh, did, good. and he won't get a building permit or, or occupancy unless I sign my name to it. There you go. And no, yeah, and no. So um, uh, I have a lot. <laughs> so uh, I can prevent any other person from ever driving in and hurting anybody at In and Out or anywhere else because they're all going to be replaced by robots. Nobody. The workers will be driving. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Seth, I'm cynical about that. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think there's too much humanity in us to to let all these things be replaced. Okay, so here's the the reason I called today. I went to Walmart in Mesquite. Okay. I bought some um, fruit and some vegetables because I have to have five cups a day, right? You're supposed to, yes. Yeah, okay. So that's what I did, and I go to the, I start up the checkout line near the produce, and there's this huge open area with about 15 or 20 robots in it called AccuScan or something. Sure, sure. The right? self, self and there's scan, a little yeah. lady in there who can help me when I stub my toe because I don't know how to look up bananas. Right, right. Okay. okay. So I don't like them because I'm old-fashioned. So I, I, I don't either. Walking. I'm the same way. Yeah, I start walking down the row, and and it's empty, and the light's on, and I walk over there, and there's a robot. What? No checker? Yeah, and I walk to the next row. It's a robot. I walk to the next row. It's a robot. I walk to the next. In the whole store, there was four human beings, and they had a huge line because lots of old people like me don't like them damn robots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? So, I counted, I've taken statistic classes, I said there's 30 robots, there's four live people, I called the store manager, the store manager came up and I said, sir, uh, here's the ratio, four live people to 30 robots, when will the people be gone? Mm. And he looked around and he said very quietly, probably next year. Uh, uh-huh. So, you cannot believe that all the cars, all the accountants, all the city workers and county workers are going to be robotized and probably quicker than you can imagine. Walmart has a robot that goes up and down the uh, aisles. They hide them. They do them at night and stuff. And it comes up and video scans the entire shelf and then orders the new product. No human being is going to be stocking the shelves, inventory, or anything else. It's going to be done by robots. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if 
you go to Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil, the guy that is the genius behind the engineering genius behind Google, and read some of his books, he's got an 87% perfect uh, prediction level because he sits and charts all this stuff all day long. Well, let's let's talk about this a little bit. First of all, I want to say this. I don't, I still, no matter what you say, Seth, I still don't believe that robots are going to take over completely because there, there has to be the human element that if we get, we, we have to get to the point where they're androids, where they're thinking independently. What's the word I'm, I'm looking for, Gil? Uh, autonomously. Autonomously, yeah. Uh, before they'll be, because there still needs to be an overseer, someone that makes the big decisions. Robots are good at what they do, they, they, but they do one thing. They're trained to do this. This certain thing and the other thing i think if we don't want it to be all robots gil let's let's okay. go to the checkout stand that has a human being right and a couple of weeks ago i was in san diego to watch byu not show up for the for yes the that was pretty brutal yeah and um we went to the most fun open air market just up in the gaslight district or mm-hmm. whatever it is and just spent three or four hours just walking up and down and seeing new products and homemade things and you know that was such an enjoyable shopping experience we really didn't want to go except for they were rolling up the carpet at two o'clock in the afternoon and Mm. it was over but i think that people that want that will start to seek it out and avoid those places where it's so automated that it's not a human experience anymore do do we have is there this line uh, where convenience overtakes the need for human contact Uh, you know i mean Honestly, I'll go shopping, and my wife will say, "Hey, the, the, the automated whatever, the self self scan, the self checkout's open," and I'll be like, well, "I'm not going." I there. don't use them either. And, and she's like, "Oh, but but the, the you know the line you're going to has five people in it." I'm like, "I don't care. I'm not yeah. going to self scan. I don't want to." And most uh, time when we're in line with other people, I kind of look at what they're buying and say, "Oh, I'm going to your house for dinner." Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's talking. Yeah, there's someone. Yeah, making making friends or at least acquaintances for a few minutes and stuff. And so I just, I don't know if, if I take, okay, I have, my oldest son is 28 years old, uh, or, and my daughter, my daughter just turned 16. Uh, are they, uh, is that generation now going to say, I don't really need that human contact because they're so used to being plugged into their phones anyway. I mean, when, when you take a 16 year old kid that doesn't want to get their driver's license right away. And my, my, my next to youngest daughter, she, she could have cared less if she got her license. She didn't, she didn't care. She didn't, she didn't need to go anywhere. So I think the human existence period requires that we interact with each other at some point, And those that simply don't want to do it or who have found other ways to get what they need in life, eventually they realize they're missing something. You think there's a craving, an, an innate yes. a need? Yes. contact with other humans, not through a smartphone. <laughs> I'm, I'm mimic- Nobody in radio can see what I'm, I'm mimicking the smartphone with my thumbs right now, but uh, I, I hope you're right. I hope we don't ever lose that humanity. I mean, if you think about it, we use robots, as Seth called them, all the time. Even when we go to the human checker, the human checker is using what? A form of a robot to scan yes. our, our groceries in and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think... I think we need them, and I think what they're they're good, and they're going to replace some jobs, but I don't think they're going to replace every job. Are you going to get on a public transit bus that's driven by a robot, Gil? No, probably not. I don't want to do that. Scare the heck out of me. You know, and there's a lot of large inner uh, city 
especially like in Tokyo and other places around the world where you don't even know if there's somebody in it. That's true. And it's it, closed it just off. It goes yeah. from A to B, and you're not sure if there's somebody driving it or not. Hmm. It, 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 that scares me a little bit. <laughs> it scares me a little bit. But between the Big Brother thing, you know, where, where the government knows everything that we're doing and everything that we do, and, and, and then the the automation of everything that scares me maybe because i read george orwell back in high school you know or or, or whatever but uh, that it makes me a little bit nervous well, when people are saying hey well if we if we can just have other robots and things do things for us we can recreate more we can have more free time we can do what we want to do and the reality is is that people are finding out especially counselors therapists that those people that really don't have interaction often have the most stress and don't get out and don't have the free time to do what they need to do. And there's less sharing of ideas face-to-face. Yeah. And so um, I'm with you, though, Andy. I, I don't believe it'll ever completely go away. I sure hope not. Yeah. I sure hope not. Otherwise, you and I will be out of work, and uh, I guess we'll be able to sit around our little floaty chairs and, and do nothing all the time. <laughs> with a laptop in the pool or something. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's go back to the phone line. We've got about two minutes to weather. What's on your mind today? Um, yeah, I would like to, uh, if you want, you don't have to close your eyes, but just imagine this. Okay. And this, and this goes along with what you guys are talking about. Um, imagine that on the, on your back, you feel a little bit of a chill. Okay. Cause the air, the air is crisp and it's cold, but your face is warm and your hands that were cold are getting warm and your feet that were cold are getting warm. Because you're sitting in front of a fire. Ooh, yeah. You're up in the wood, and the stars are sparkly, and you're sitting in front of a campfire. And you feel warm. And and as I've described that, did you guys have a memory or a feeling evoked from what I described? Absolutely. Yeah. Where'd you go, Gil? Well, growing up in Lake Arrowhead, there was a lot of cold nights. And I would say probably for three four months of the year we had a fire and it was where we gathered as a family and sometimes it was outdoors camping but you know that's precisely the warmth you feel too when you're talking with someone as well a good friend and yeah you know so yeah it's it's great to get out how about you caller where did, where, did, where were you wanting us to go well i wanted to describe something and not only did i choose to not only pick a physical feeling but also an emotional state but also when you were there's a difference between staring up at the sky or in a, in a in a campfire when you're out in the woods versus staring in front of a screen so i chose to pick mm. that on purpose for one reason because of the human experience we're humans we're not digital beings we're you know um the same reason why i could have also said you're in a crowded bus or on a crowded train but you notice that there's a lady standing, and you decide to stand and let her have your seat. Mm-hmm. That's the human connection. That's yes. the human empathy. It's the human experience. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then same thing with me. Um, and, and now we can go back to driving. I'm, I could tell you, well, I started driving at 14 without a license. Mm-hmm. But that's because my dad needed me to. Right. He needed me to park cars. He needed me because we were he, he owned a car dealership, and he on Saturday he just needed me to do stuff. So it wasn't on a ranch. I wasn't driving a tractor. I was on a car dealership, and I was parking cars, starting them. He would he would literally tell me forward a few feet, 
faculty he would he would tell me where to park the car he would guide me and stuff so i would at 14 i was parking cars uh, but like making a smile to someone on a crowded bus or getting out in nature and looking up at the stars in the sky um we're humans and there's a human connection it's the human experience I love it. I love it. Thank you for the uh, call today. Uh, I agree, and I, I hope we never lose that. It's it's True. an important part of being human, is the experience and, and the touching, even if it's lightly touching of the emotions of another human being. So just a, a smile in a store or a nod mm-hmm. or a handshake. Yep. All right, Gil, we've, we've got to get a weather break in here. We're with Gil on because we do have a list of a couple of, seven, well, three things on the list. One of them I think very important and maybe something people don't even realize. We'll be back with that right after. Morning, everybody. It is a glorious Tuesday morning. The sun is out. This is a little personal experience real quick. Uh, I live right out of college. I got a job up in Moscow, Idaho. And by the way, Gil Longquist is in studio with me. Gil, how are you? Good. Um, Moscow, Idaho uh, is uh, up way northern Idaho. It's on the Palouse, which is, I don't know if you know what the Palouse is. It's basically these rolling hills, and you, dr- yes. you drop into one, and you can't really see anywhere else. You're in these, it's almost like these big, giant, 10-mile-wide potholes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, in... In October, that and I got I got the job like in I don't know June or something like that. The summer was fine. Uh, in October that year, the clouds rolled in 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 Moscow, Idaho, and they didn't leave. Mm-hmm. It was October. It was November. It was December. It was January. It was February. The snows came, and and by March it was still cloudy. And we saw the sun. I'm probably exaggerating a little or misremembering, but honestly, the sun, I think I saw the sun twice all winter and spring, and it was d- incredibly depressing. And uh, as soon as I got the opportunity, I, I took a job interview in Cedar City for the Spectrum newspaper. And when they offered me the job, I was out of Moscow, Idaho, in a heartbeat. And it's not because the people there weren't good. There were some great people there. Sure. The job was actually pretty good. I was writing sports, covering uh, Washington State University and University of Idaho. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just depressing. It was cloudy and gloomy all the time. And I grew up in Texas and then in Utah. And in Utah, it gets cold like it is today, but it gets cold and the sun comes out. Yeah. And it might be cold, but it's not gloomy. It's actually beautiful out there. It is. And, uh, and so I, I couldn't handle the clouds. I did not like having it be cloudy all the time. And I wanted to get back to where the sunshine, no matter how cold it was. You know, I, went to, I went to Utah State University. Logan's as cold as it gets. And, uh, but the sun would come out. And, and even though you were freezing, the was sun doable. was out. Yeah, yeah, it was manageable. So, I'm glad to live in Utah's Dixie, even on days like today when it's got down to when it when it got down to 24 degrees because the sun came out and it's beautiful. Yep. So uh, I agree. Now, now, Gil, you've been in Washington County how long now? My parents moved here in 1978. 78. Okay. And I came here in 79. We'd visited before, but in 1979, I came off of a mission to Germany. So they moved while you were on your mission. Yes. And, That's not very nice. Um, my sister had come here and loved Dixie College, uh-huh. and my parents, in visiting her, said, this is the best place to live, yeah, and yeah. so they moved here. But it worked out well. My father had had a heart attack and a stroke and couldn't be at the high elevation where I grew up in Lake Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. And so when they came how here, high? How high was it, by the way? About 5,200 okay. feet, so about, like about a like cedar. cedar. Yeah. So it helped him a bit to come here, and you know, people were lovely and... He found work that he could do, and it was a great community to live in. And 
course, my sister loved it and graduated from Dixie, and then I came here and went to Dixie as well. And nice. so it's really home. The rest is history, yes. as they say. <laughs> my my parents also moved while my brother was on a mission to Japan. And right in the midst of all of it, he couldn't understand what was going on. He actually picked up a phone call. And back then, long-distance charges were a lot. I mean, sure. it was like a dollar a minute yes. to make a long-distance call from Japan. And he called and he said, what is going on? I don't understand. But, yeah, they moved from Texas to Utah while my brother was on his mission. and uh, But they did give him a forwarding address at least. So Good. <laughs> I have a, I have a brother-in-law whose parents moved while he was gone, and they didn't tell him where the new house was, <laughs> and they didn't meet him at the airport. So he got home from his mission and didn't know where to go. Went to the old house and said, "Yeah, wait, where is everybody? Where is everybody? <laughs> Time warp or something?" <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, we're talking with Gil Onquist today. He's a Washington County Commissioner. How long have you been a commissioner now, Gil? This is my one-year anniversary come January, so one not year. quite a year. And before that, you were a city councilman? Right. There was a two-year gap in there because okay. um, I'd run against Dean Cox for the commission position that was open. And I've got to tell you, it was the best election I ever lost. Really? Because Dean has taught me so much, and he was the right man for the job at the time. And... I can't say enough about what I've learned from him, but you know, now that I'm, I've been in a year, I've thoroughly enjoyed associating with those throughout the county, both the those employees and other elected officials and the citizens. It's been a marvelous year. Hey, you guys, uh, the Washington County just uh, uh, had a ribbon cutting, right? Well, we're about to. Oh, now. about to. Okay. Uh-huh. Is it tonight? Uh, Thursday. Oh, it's Thursday. Okay. All right. Thursday we have a ribbon cutting on the boulevard remake really remodel the, yeah you know it, it needed yeah. what, what prompted that was it needed a roof <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's not a brand new building by any sense but there it looks like it's new now but um yeah we have that ribbon cutting on thursday do you know what time that is by chance i have it in my email somewhere but yeah. it'd take me five minutes to find it so i believe it's nine o'clock okay well, then I can't go. I'm going to be on the radio. Rats. Well, we'll figure it out. It, you know, I'm, Save I'm, me a cookie. I, I've got it here on my phone. While you're talking, I'll look it up. Okay. So the ribbon cutting for the uh, county is Thursday morning. And, uh, you know, good things are happening with the county. By the way, uh, just a side note, uh, speaking of the county, I was going to have uh, Greater Zion uh, Tourism Director Kevin Lewis on mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow. But uh, Kevin got a surprise visit from his uh, son, who has been living overseas for quite some time. He's in town, but he's in Salt Lake. And Kevin said, I, I hate to miss the radio show, but i got to go up and see my son because yes. I haven't seen him for a long time. So uh, we're not going to have Kevin on the show tomorrow. I do have a replacement guest to replace the replacement guests because I got a guest to replace Kevin and she's sick. So, oh, no. yeah, um, I have a huge correction. So everyone listen. Okay. Okay. The ribbon cutting is at three o'clock. Okay. All It'll right. Be on the east side of that boulevard building there on 200 East and chamber will be there and other elected officials as well. Probably as those the that Dixie Sunshiners. Sunshiners. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Chamber and others. Awesome. Okay. So three o'clock tomorrow. So I can go. Perfect. Look forward to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go go from there right to Pickleball tomorrow. There you go. If, Good. If I can. So, uh, all right, let's talk about a couple of things that on this list. And, uh, the one that, that is number three, but I think the one that maybe needs to be talked about a little bit is uh, the conflict of interest statements. Now, I, you hear the statement, oh, the good old boys, they're, they're developing that area because so-and-so owns land yeah. there or so-and-so has a construction company and they're building there or whatever. You hear that all the time. 
Right. And, and to me, I always kind of took it with a grain of salt because I'm like, how do they know? And, and who, you know, I like to, I've said this before on the show, I like to take people at their word until they give me a reason not to. Sure. Uh, but tell me a little bit about these conflict of interest statements, Gil. Well, when you're elected, you have a form. It's not only required by the state, but you would think that every municipality and county would want to go in this direction, which mm-hmm. is tell us what other interests you have and if they will conflict in any way with your position whether on a commission or even mm-hmm. uh, something unelected, like a planning commission or a, you know some sort of a board, because they want to make sure that what you do is not going to benefit you in a another way. Right. Um, interesting. You would talk about the Boulevard Building because um, you know if you're elected, you have certain expertise. Some people might say, "Well, hey, I'm going to vote for him because he's a lawyer." So he'll be able to apply his law skills or he's a doctor or he's, you know, he's done some things which would be beneficial to me as a citizen to have that in in office. And so um, in my case, I was a landscaper and fulfilling a campaign promise, which I made that I would sell the company I did in June. However... That doesn't mean that I can't apply my knowledge. Sure. And so when the builder, well, we, we, we would want you to. When the contractor said, hey, would you come up here and help walk through the redo of this landscaping? Give us some ideas and what you think should happen and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, walking up there and talking with the contractor, I said, well, you know, I think that bush is sick and that one, you know, ought to come yeah. out. And, and they were putting together a bid. And, and you weren't selling them bushes. You I, were just applying your, right. your knowledge. And uh, so even though another landscape company, in fact, not even the landscape company that I sold in June even applied or, or gave a bid. But right. the point being is, is that somebody drove by, saw me out there uh, pointing to bushes, I guess. And um, they assumed they, uh, they assumed without making a single phone call to find out they made the assumption that I was doing the landscaping and that that would be a conflict mm-hmm. because I would have sort of an inside track. Well, the reality is is that I didn't do it. And in fact, my wife has a little company that used to test backflows for the county and saving quite a bit of money. But as soon as I was elected, even that ended because mm. there cannot be a benefit to your position. But anyway, another... Uh, talk show, afternoon talk show host here locally chose to not check out the truth yes. and slander me on the radio by mm. saying that I was violating my conflict of interest statement. <laughs> and um, so it's almost like you can't do anything. And in fact, I saw a lady sitting in a car who had been at a funeral of a friend of mine and it was his sister. And I could tell she was grieving and Jill went on into Harmon's and I went over to the car and said, you know, I'm sorry for your loss and, uh, you know, I, I'm, you're from out of town and I hope that you felt like, you know, we loved your brother and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, she said, hey, um, she got out of the car and inadvertently it locked. Oh, no. But, but her, her husband had gone in Harmon's as well. It was so awkward because she said, well, I'm going to walk in with you. Well, here I am walking into Harmon's in front of everybody. Mm-hmm with another woman mm-hmm. and you never know what someone's going to say and it was the most awkward thing and i wanted to say hey i can't walk with you because somebody <laughs> might see us together and yeah. the rumors fly so you anyway, know conflict of interest statements are are public 
and anybody can look at them and say, hey, you know, that, that looks a little like they may have benefited from that. And, you know, you talked about real estate. I own, my wife and I own our house. Mm-hmm. We don't own any other real estate in the entire county. And so purposefully there's no conflict there. And I, I would hope that the public listening would would not only go and look at conflict of interest statements, but if they see something they don't like, check it out. That's usually a phone call. I, I'm curious. Uh, being Somebody jokingly said, oh, hey, Andy, you should run for office. I, I'm curious how that would factor in in a conflict of interest statement, me being a radio host. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I would imagine there would be all kinds of red flags coming up. That probably, in fact, a couple of months ago, I think you said that a caller or a few people said, oh, you're not hard enough, Andy, on these uh, mm-hmm. elected officials. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, what is your job, Andy? Are you supposed to be like a private investigator and that <laughs> we're evil and you're supposed to That's, hunt it out? I think some people want me to do that, they, yes. They, I think they do. In reality, they want you to do a job they could easily do with just a little, you know, looking. I, I got an email after that. After, last time you were on, I did. I got a few people that said, hey, you know, you're, you're not hard enough on these guys. You don't. And, and one of the statements I made during that show that followed your show was, uh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take people at their word unless, until they give me a reason sure. not to. I'm going to believe in people. And I got a great email, and I wish I could remember who it was from, uh, but it was basically, thank you, Andy, for, for that attitude. You make not only the radio better, but you make uh, this world better by believing that. Yeah, well, and obviously... People voted for me and knew what my skills were, what I could bring to the table. Yeah. And so the, most of the public is like you. They're going to take someone at their word and w- know that they're going to work hard. And one thing that's interesting, though, is there's a lot of good people out there who I would like to see in office. But you know what their common thing is, they say? Even though they are, to me, perfect people, mm-hmm. they would say, I never want to be so have the focus on me scrutiny you know that i can't buy grapes and have the top of the grape package open and somebody say yeah because you've been eating them before you bought them you see what Mm -hmm, i'm saying mm -hmm. even something as small as that and i i would hope that we're better humans than to always say that's illegal he's wrong you know it's it's sadly too prevalent and, and in politics and it's easy to feel that way sometimes to feel sure. a little bit cynical uh but i i don't think we have to choose to do that no. um, and yeah you get burned occasionally you know if you believe in someone and you know it's happened to me in my career i've believed in people i've trusted them and they've you know flat out turned on me but uh-huh. you know what i'd still i'd still rather live this way than than the other way you know and i've I've judged wrongfully over a few things in the past, but I've learned now that give it time and do the right research and you'll find out actually that was quite legit and it didn't hurt me at all. All right, Gil. Got to pay the bills again. Got a couple of commercials to do, but we'll come back and talk about these other two items on this list. Thank you. That one was in yellow. These two are in pink, so I'm not sure (laughs) if that means anything or not, but we'll get to those in just a minute. We're talking with Gil Onquist, the Washington County Commissioner. Uh, Do want to thank one of the show sponsors is Joe Shoney. He's a local loan consultant, and his specialty is customer service. How do I know that? Well, check it out. He's got 286 reviews online now at the socialsurvey.me website. 
with an average of 4.91 stars. That's incredible, uh, including this from, from Kesha. It says, very knowledgeable team with great communication, never felt left in the dark as to what was going on with our loan or if there were any issues. Uh, let's see. Let's scroll down and do another one. This is Hal. Hal from St. George said they made sure it happened. Being on vacation when we were to close, they stayed in touch, making sure the closing would go smoothly, whether it be 2 a.m. Utah time or 12 noon Hawaii time. That's the kind of customer service to get with Joe Shoney. His phone number is 435-590-6300. Or you can email Joe at joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in today. It's 9.50 on News Radio 94.9, 890 KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin uh, here every day, and some of you like that, some of you don't. I don't know, but uh, I, we all like it. I enjoy my job. I have a lot of fun. My wife actually asked me the other day, how do you, how do you get up for your show every day? How do, you, how do you stay up and into it? I'm like, I don't know. That's what I do. How does a, you know, a, guy, how does a guy landscaping stay sure. up for landscaping every day? I mean, you're not on your game 100% every time, but you, you certainly try hard, right, if you want to be good at it. There's no doubt that what motivates you, and I tell people I never went to work a day in my life, and even – now I say that mm-hmm. because I enjoy what I'm doing and there are moments when you're saying, oh, I wish it was a little more pleasant or, <laughs> you know, especially landscaping a little warmer or a little cooler or something. But, no, I, I enjoy what I'm doing and there's two two very important public works projects that are coming up that are on that list. Mm-hmm. And it's not new. People have heard both of these for years and years now. One is the Northern Corridor sure, and the other is the Lake Powell Pipeline. Northern Corridor, by the way, exit 13 uh-huh. to link all the way to Red, Red Cliffs Parkway or oh, Turtle Almost. Road. Well, it comes to the Skyline Drive up here past okay. uh, the share of, or excuse me, the uh, public works buildings that are oh, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. ties in above Red Hills Golf Course, and that's the route. In fact, it was chosen to come further south so it wouldn't cut through the tortoise habitat, the HCP area, that much. So it's further south than some might say, but it still is a benefit. And the reason for that, uh, the reason I bring both of these up is that the public response period has started. It's called the scoping meetings. And it's where the Department of Interior wants feedback. And the public has the opportunity, this one on the Lake Powell Pipeline, most people got it in the, in the mail from the Bureau of Reclamation at the Dixie Center on January the 8th from 6 to 8 p.m., there's also ways that you can send in a written uh, comment and mail it as well as, uh, of course, go online. But the importance of that is that, the, I mean, it's America. We want public feedback. And so on the pipeline and on the Northern Corridor, they're running simultaneously those scoping meetings, and there'll be opportunity for people to, to comment and, you know, make, make their statements. A cynic might say, well, what's the point of public comment? They're going to do what they're going to do anyway. What would you say to that? You know, I used to think that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a project that the city council was involved in. And UDOT came down and they pretty much pitched it the way they wanted it to happen. Sure. And we as uh, not only elected officials but citizens – came out in open opposition to what UDOT was saying. And in fact, the UDOT officials were very, maybe in our face about it. Really? And so I had that same opinion, what good is this going to do? Well, we we purposefully went a little further, and as local officials, I think we have the right in our own community to say what should happen. Mm -hmm. And you know what? They changed. Wow. They did. 
And in fact, on the Northern Corridor, there was so much feedback from not only those that don't want it at all, but others that said, hey, was there a better route that caused it to be moved? And so that early feedback and now this uh, series will be vital to, uh, you know, how it's going to really come to pass. I think most people have the misunderstanding, well, if we just raise a big enough hullabaloo, it'll just end it. It's not. The northern corridor is essential. We can't have the traffic from east-west like we do now. Mm -hmm. And though it was conceived 25 years ago that there would be some route through the HCP, it was never really determined where. And so now that it's getting close to the end here, uh, you know, it's, it's essential that people have the right to respond and make their comments. But we can't have cars parked on the boulevard choking up our air and, you know, like we don't want another Salt Lake down here. No, we do not. And so we need to keep the traffic moving and flowing without accidents. And we're having huge accidents every day. Mm -hmm. And this will help ease that but not ruin the tortoise. And by the way, I've, I've been a front row observer of Bluff Street and what's happened with yes. it over the last year or two. And I have to say, I, I think the solution was done very well. Bluff Street now, where it used to be bumper to bumper and just, just almost a nightmare. I avoided Bluff Street before the, sure. before the reconstruction. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to drive on it because it was just terrible. But now you've got seven lanes and I've, I have yet to see traffic stopped where, where I am up here in North Bluff. I agree, and you know that's an essential addition as well as the the fact is that you can't just make the boulevard bigger or wider. You've got storefronts, you've nowhere got to go, landscaping. Yeah. You've got all kinds of things. So the get from exit 13 all the way over to an access to Santa Clara or Ivans, it's essential that you have another route, and uh, that that's one of them. And of course, the pipeline will always be controversial, and it and the longer it takes, the more expensive it may get. But They've already done some things to trim the cost. But there again, a lot of people want to comment on both of these things without really doing their homework. There are those who are opposed to it that do good homework, and, mm-hmm. and I appreciate their, their, uh, you know, their inclusion. But at the same time, if we're going to grow like this and do it reasonably and take a shower, <laughs> we can't all be the Air Force Academy where they say, okay, you got 90 seconds shower. That's right. That's right. But um, – Anyway, I wanted to bring those to everyone's attention, and if you're in favor of both of those, you know, send in your comments. The, not only those that are opposed want to have their voice heard, but those who are in favor ought to have their voice heard as well. Is there a place to go that we can, we can find these things and comment on them? Yes. Well, of course, I mentioned the Dixie Center, which is January the 8th. They have one over in Kanab because Kane County will benefit from the pipeline as well, and then they have one ironically up in south jordan at valley high school that must i don't Mm. i don't get that one but anyway those all happen in the first uh 7th 8th and 9th of january and then if they look on this card they can look it up online they can just go to the water conservancy district it's there as well okay and you'll see that there's a website as well as a place you can mail a letter to that goes to their office of bureau reclamation and provo Okay. Now, I hate to do this to you. There's only two minutes left, but uh, one of the things that's been a popular topic lately is taxes. And, and even though every little thing is just a little teeny tax, mm-hmm. it feels like the Adds burden is, is piling up. Is, I mean, what, what do you feel we can do as far as that's concerned? Well, if, let's say there's no pipeline built and water costs are going to skyrocket. 
Right. And so we might all look back and say, yeah, we we killed the pipeline. Hmm. And yet they're going to pay through the nose for water that we do have. And other projects will have to come online that would also be expensive, um, building dams and other reservoirs, which I'm a proponent of. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, it's hard to say that a tax is evil because sometimes people will pay out money straight for water or power or something and not realize that that also has a, a cost associated to it when you run out. Sure, sure. I think I would... I mean, I, I can see the reasoning by not wanting more taxes, but I think in this particular instance of the Lake Powell pipeline, I, I would much rather have an opportunity to have enough water and not be rationed and not have, you know, this, the prices go through the roof. And the purpose for a tax from history is that we all share in the cost of things that we all benefit from. That's yeah. why you have a tax. Yeah. And take away all the taxes and everybody's independent. Well, I don't want to have a standing army to protect me. I want to have a sheriff or yeah. a policeman. Yeah. All right. We're down to the last minute. Thanks, Gil, Andy. thank you so much for coming in today. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we hope, uh, again, best wishes and prayers to Dean Cox as he's mm-hmm. going through some of the yes. treatments for his illness. And I understand Vic's a little under the weather, too. Hopefully Vic's going to be all right. He was telling all of his kids, do this, do this, do this, because they had colds uh-huh. and, he, and trying to get them better. And then all of a sudden... The doctor became the one that got sick. <laughs> so That's the way it usually goes. He got it, it from his kids in this case. But All right, thank, thank you. you. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Gail Longquist, uh, Washington County Commissioner. This has been the Andy Griffin Show on a Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. I have, like I said, I've actually had to shuffle through two guests. We'll get you a third one in for tomorrow's show. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you in the morning.